The blog pot contains language and content that some people may consider unsavory. So if you don't like content or bad language, then the blog pot is not the place for you. Now entering the blog pod. Welcome to episode three of the Bloke Pod. I'm GJ, and I'm joined by the man who's put in a bid for Michael Jordan's $29 million mansion, Action Jackson. Frankly, I'm amazed that this show is still on the air. Like, I'm staggered that we've gotten this far. Yeah, I nothing thought, short of astounding. I thought episode one might be the hook as well, but yeah. we're here and we're queer and get used to it. <laughs> At this stage, we could, you know, soar into double figures even. <laughs> yeah, well, that's Sky's right. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just wondering if we get to the half century whether we should be raising the bat. To be perfectly honest, I'll be dead by then. But no. <laughs> right, there you go. <laughs> if we so, make yeah. it this far, I'll, I will be a husk. If that far, I'll be a husk of a man. I don't know if you've seen the pictures of Michael Jordan's mansion uh, in Chicago. He's, uh, he's put it on the market this week for $29 million. Pretty impressive. The thing that, uh, at the same time, the thing that worries me is it's got 15 bathrooms. Like, yeah, yeah, that's what? You've got a fortnight worth of dumps right there and then still one to <laughs> use the next day when you've got to finally clean them. How yeah. many people live in the house? Well, there were only been four at the time, I believe. Four or five? I think he's only got, I think he's only got two kids. He might have had three. So, yeah, on the market for it. So if you've got a if you've got a cool twenty nine million sitting in the back of your couch, it's well worth having a look at. It's, it looks a very nice house in a nice gated community in Chicago, so it'd be pretty safe. So yeah, get on board. And if you if you do manage to buy it, send us an invite. I'd love to come check it out. Mm, just as long as whatever food the Jordans were eating in order to require fifteen toilets isn't still sitting in the fridge. Well, it had its own gourmet kitchen, which was, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not, yeah, we won't get into that. Well, given Michael Jordan, it's probably, probably full of Gatorade and McDonald's based on, uh, do it. the endorsements will do, it. Will do it. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, anyway, what caught your eye this week? Look, how can you really go past the one day? Just a ridiculous match. It reminded me a lot of watching the, um, the Australia South Africa 434 match in that you, there was almost just this, this surreal feeling as you were watching them do it. it so you wouldn't have given so them a hope in hell at the innings break. Just, just to help the viewers out, you're referring to the the India Sri Lanka game from Tuesday this week in well, Hobart. I was actually we're referring to the um, Australia Sri Lanka one on Sunday, but no, no, no oh, we yeah, can talk yeah. about that one too. Yeah, well, yeah. E- either or, but yeah, you might want to. You might want to for those that weren't. Oh, uh, for those who didn't hadn't heard about it, seriously, where the fuck have you been? Yeah, like, honestly. But uh, give somebody maybe listening to this six months from now and have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. Give hey, us the, it's not uh, like all the other one days this summer. It will actually still be remembered six months from now, mate. But do you want to still give the 30-second synopsis anyway? Well, the 30-second synopsis was that before the match, I said there was a better chance of Ricky Ponting captaining Australia to the 2015 World Cup than there was of India winning this match. After Sri Lanka made 320 in the first innings, it then became more likely for, well, Richie Benno to captain Australia to the 2019 World Cup. But I tell you what, this match has really proven one thing, and that is that when teams are forced, when they have no other choice but to have to go out there and pull something out of their ass like that, they are actually capable of doing it. It's very disappointing to me that 
Virat Kohli made all the runs because he's the biggest fucktard in international cricket. Like, I would have preferred Sachin to get the 100th 100 and just basically shit all over the entire country than have to put up with Kohli scoring those runs. But the scary thing was that they almost... They did it easily. There was a 38 overs in yeah. the end, wasn't it? At least when the Sappers chased down the 434, they did it off the last ball with one wicket in hand. This one, they did it at a canter. Yeah, unbelievable. So um, it, it goes to show that if the administrators are interested in trying to bring back some interest and appeal to the game, they really have to somehow make the bonus point or some sort of stretch target more of a compulsory um, part of the game. Because at the moment, these bonus points, the only time anyone ever secures a bonus point is when they've absolutely played the other team off the park and it just happens by default. There are no... I, can, I cannot think of a single match where a team has actually gone out and said, right, we're, we are going to deliberately try and get that bonus point. So, I don't know. I don't know how the logistics of it could work, but if there was some way in which a team could actually be forced or make it, you know, a lot more incentivized for them to actually try and achieve these really, really difficult um, targets, then all it simply means is that the entire match from start to finish is played with a sense of urgency and a sense of importance. Whereas the biggest criticism I have of the 50-over game is that invariably there will be 20 overs in the middle of both innings where the batsmen are going at five singles and over. Blokes like David Hussey are coming in and rolling the arm over for a few overs from each end and that. And it's just... It, the game sort of meanders along. Whereas the one thing you couldn't say about India's innings on um, Tuesday night was that it ever looked like it was yeah anything less than extremely tense out there and extremely important that they kept their performance up. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Thoughts? I, I, I didn't see all the game, I only saw the results, so I can't really mm. comment beyond anything like that. The thing that I was hoping to talk about catching my eye this week would be uh, the NBA All-Star Weekend, but it seems to have raised a lot more questions than it answered. During the All-Star game, Dwayne Wade put a put a rather dirty hit, there's no nice way to say it, it was a dirty hit, on Kobe Bryant, who, which has since given him a broken nose and concussion and showed very little remorse for it at the end of the game, which is a little bit disappointing. JJ, when have you ever known an American basketball player to even be able to spell the word remorse, let alone actually yeah. show any? Well, you know, we, we won't get into that. Mm. Um, I mean, the, the dunk contest, which used to be the, the, the feature event of the All-Star competitions uh, during the few years, has once again missed the mark. It's probably missed the mark more than it's hit over the last 10 years, which is very, very disappointing. You know, they've, they've got a lot to consider with regards to All-Star Weekend at the moment. It's just not... It's what's supposedly the greatest spectacle of the whole... of, of the league and the whole competition turns into 150 to 140-odd score fest where nobody plays any defence, nobody plays anything that's even closely resembling real basketball, so... Well, I was going to ask, look, I'm not a basketball fan at the best of times, but given, yeah, given the, like, all the hype around this all-star match in the NBA. What exactly is the point? Like, what makes it so interesting? Like, is there any sort of... What, well, is there any sort of reason for the players to actually go out there and well, they, give it their all? And I think therein lies the, 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 the problem or the reason behind all of this stuff. The reason why the slam dunk contest is more of a snore fest than anything else is that they can't get the best guys to participate in it, yeah. which is a problem. 
the games themselves, yeah. I mean, the the players see it as much of an event as the people who are sitting in the stands watching it. But so what do the winners get out of it if they win? They do get some rewards. They get breaking rights, but that's pretty much it. It's not like the baseball yeah, where, the, uh, where home yep. field advantage is determined mm-hmm. by it, which is a great idea, by the way. I love that but because it actually means something. How can the administrators even see the point in continuing it then? Like, quite honestly, well, the, if there is a match like that in the middle of the season, which is of mm. absolutely no consequence whatsoever, then why on earth would the best players in the league be risking their seasons, which actually means something, to go out and showboat? For, well, they are basketball, so I know showboating is big for them. But <laughs> what on earth is the return for them? Just history and tradition. But I think that the problem is, is that much like, and look, to be honest, I think a lot of the things that you're raising are also a lot of the reasons why we were in the stage where there nearly wasn't an NBA season this year is, is that I think that the players in many respects have kind of lost sight of the past and the history and the tradition associated with the league and they kind of feel that they're a little bit above and beyond it all and it's, it is, it's very, as the casual fan, it's, it's actually very frustrating. I, when you've got the best players in the world playing yeah, but it misses I, the, the mark. I would actually say they'd be better off getting the sort of second tier players who are, you know, the second best tier of players in the world, get them out there because they'd actually be likely to play at something closer to 100%. Whereas all these superstars and that, what, what, what on earth would they give a toss about a match well, like this? Well, I actually think it'll be really interesting at the Olympics because the, the United States are probably going in with the strongest team that they will ever field in terms of completeness of basketball, even better than the original Dream Team, I would think. Is Kevin Lynn getting a game for him? Jeremy <laughs> Jeremy Lynn. Jeremy Lynn, I think. Yeah. Uh, no. Or Kevin, you know, either Kevin, one. Kevin, his, bro- his brother Kevin, I think, still studying. But uh, at this stage... Keep an eye on that boy. Yeah, keep an eye on Kevin Lynn if his brother's success is anything to go by. But they're going in... As I'll just get back to the point. They're going in with probably the strongest team that they'll ever have, but... There's two teams that could potentially beat them coming into the into the Olympics, which is amazing in itself. Spain uh, Spain will put out a team that is of, of NBA type quality as well, mm. and Argentina have beaten them in the past as well. So I mean, you'll probably get nice juicy odds on anybody but the US winning the gold medal, and it might be worth the sneaky little punt. I uh, I got the payoff on Argentina in 2004, by the way, and. Mm. I'll probably look at Spain and seriously consider putting some money down on them. The biggest problem with basketball, though, all jokes aside, is that it really is a game about one massive ego on the court around which the entire team's performance revolves. So the problem you have when you've got an American All-Stars team like that is that these guys who are used to having the universe revolve around them, basically... So the whole team dynamic, I would say it's actually a lot more difficult for them to adapt to than, yeah, than, say, a team like the Spaniards or the Argentinians who just know they've got that, yeah. I guess, they, the natural chemistry. Would be I mean, a lot more. it's very interesting. Yeah, you make an incredibly valid point. It's very interesting when you hear all the old-school American coaches over there who say that the Europeans play, play a more traditional style of basketball than the Americans do and certainly a more attractive style. But I think the other important thing to recognise is that the NBA rules are actually very, very different to the FIBA rules. And the FIBA rules will act, actually are more suited to the European style of basketball than the 
the one-on-one pitch and ditch style that's often played in the NBA. Superstar and he'll yeah. do the rest. So, yeah. and you know the the question that they may well have with with this American team going in is who's the alpha dog? Who's the guy? Who is when we need a basket? Who are we going to go to? Because they're I'm, all going to want the ball. No, yeah, I'm sorry. I reckon a better question is who's not the alpha dog because they're the ones who are actually going to be the most important. No. I think there will be a bit of a natural pecking order that will, will that will come, and I, I would suspect that they all will pretty much pander to Kobe Bryant. But we'll see. We'll see what happens with that one. So there's a lot of things I'd like to do. I mean, if if they're going to have a slam dunk contest. What I'd actually like to see is get guys off the streets who can do it rather than NBA players who really don't want to get involved, don't want to be there. The scary thing is is that the guys off the streets do better dunks than the NBA players. Can. I thought they did involve guys off the street now. No, they don't, unfortunately. Well, they have a competition, but it's not part of the real competition. I wish they did because uh-huh. it would be far more interesting to watch. Didn't they have like the guy jumping over the hood of the car? No, that was last year. That was yeah. Blake Griffin. He's oh, actually that was an yeah, player. essential yeah. player. Yeah. So mm. and that's probably the most. Whilst it wasn't necessarily the best dunk of that contest, it's probably the most interesting dunk that's been done in the last eight to nine years, which pretty much tells you where the uh, where the dunk contest is at. Well, really, I could have told you that though. There's only so many. <laughs> original ways in which you can <laughs> put a ball through a hoop but, in a, just like a one-off Well, that's, I, I think that this is the thing, is that the NBA guys, it's not that they're not thinking about this stuff creatively. Street ballers and all these guys, they do mm. think about these things. So they would put on a... I'm convinced they put on a far more interesting spectacle than even the best NBA players would. So if you're David Sturt and you're listening to this podcast, Dave, make it happen. Well, I would Please, say, make it happen. Go evil Knievel on its ass, you know? Have a guy, you know, doing a loop-loop on a motorcycle and jumping over the backboard and then slamming it down. Like, <laughs> let's let's go all out here. Yeah, anyway. So, maybe not. Too much? I was with you. Maybe the best fucking dunk contest of all time, I can tell you that much. Yeah, well... That's it. Getting it on the, getting it on the I'm, knot. I'm doing a Clive Palmer and I'm forming my own NBA slam dunk competition. <laughs> Clive Palmer, what a story that is. Do you want to give everyone a rundown on what's happening with Clive Palmer? Well, you know, the problem is we might have to check the TV because he might have gone and forged a new something else in the last 15 minutes. Well, to give it the 20 words or less synopsis, a billionaire was told not to do something and <laughs> he refused to comply. That's, I mean, it really just seems to me just to be basically two blokes having a bit of a lover's tiff. But the problem is that they are both in incredibly sort of influential positions in this um, sporting body so they can just basically have a bit of an argument and bring the entire competition down around them. Yeah, I, I think if his surname was Packer we might be paying a little bit more attention mm. given his track record with Super League and World Series cricket beforehand. But, mm. but I mean, what does it all come down to? It's not like... Oh, well, you know, I mean, coming not... back to the basketball analogy, it comes down to people's egos. Yeah, it's not like there's any sort of real fundamental um, motivation behind this. It's basically just, yeah, yeah, two blokes having a bit of an argy-bargy. So, yeah, which is, which is sad. It's sad. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Football Federation Australia or whatever it's called. And Well, they've got Football Australia. Yeah. Won the rights for that name. Yeah. So, so really, what the hell were the original body thinking having the Federation in there? Yeah. So, well, football, yes... 
So we could be seeing Football Australia and Football Federation Australia having fights very, very soon. But anyway, interesting times ahead. So action, one of the things that we, we actually brought up last week, which has actually received some some favourable feedback, is the iPod for hell. Now, you went... Hang on, we've, you, we've received any feedback? Yeah, we did receive <laughs> some feedback. Let alone favourable, that's... Yeah, that's there you go, thing. yeah. Uh, well, the, the feedback was it was shit, apart from... The iPod part, I like that. So hey, yeah, yes. Yeah. So, uh, so mum, <laughs> this is for you. Anyway, iPod. And for thank you for the feedback. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, iPod, iPod for hell. Have you got any new things to contribute that have come up over the past week or so, um, or from any time in the past? I can't actually think of one that. This, I mean, there's just. So much rap music out there to hate, isn't there? It is, crap music. It is. Ju- it is literally just exhausting. The oh. sheer volume of music become I, completely furious and. I, yeah, I'm going I'm to pose you a challenge. I actually had somebody suggest this to me today, which I actually thought was quite funny, and I couldn't refute this either. They made a claim that if you ever see the word "sexy" in the title for a for a song, that it's generally going to be crap. So, I'm too sexy. Sexy and I know it. I was just going to say, sexy, sexy may have been like the last one that <laughs> before that, before that. Sexy back, <laughs> sexy bitch. Um, is this sexy, it? sexy, sexy? <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's and if it. that hasn't been written yet, I can guarantee that it will before yeah. the end of the year. I was going to say that. I was going to say that's actually Jackson's like personal <laughs> one. So yeah, but that's got nothing to do. With in the, the music. in the lack of, in the lack <laughs> of anything else, I guess from your perspective, if we put anything with the word "sexy" in the title onto the iPod from Hell, we we'd, we'd probably be on a winner. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, or any 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 song out there which features some sort of texting in the title, <laughs> like anything which features any sort of abbreviated word. Oh my god! In the unfortunately, title. unfortunately, that's gonna that's that, gonna rule out. Thanks for the memories by Fallout Boy, which is one of my favourite songs. Well, look, I'm sorry, but they knew the risks once yeah. they decided to not spell that word with a fucking KS. Yeah. So look, that's the price you pay. I had an interesting chat. I was at a Bucks night with a few of my old mates on Saturday night, and. They reminded me of the the extreme displeasure and distaste I had for a song back in the 90s called Sucker DJ. Now, the reason why I... Yes, Laugh As You, laugh as you Will it is a real song by an artist called Dimples D. The, the song itself basically sampled the theme song for I Dream of Genie with some very, very bad crap lyrics over the top of it. And we were always wondering how the hell that type of crap could actually get any airplay whatsoever. Then we saw the title and we enunciated the title <laughs> and it made a lot more sense. Well, I was just going to say, one of um, Kesha's better songs is um, Fuck Him, He's a DJ. So she's obviously decided to go even further with the um, the title yeah. but then actually sort of back it up with at least a modicum of, well, yeah, catchiness. Yeah, Kesha, Kesha and good songs. That's not phrases I generally use in the same sentence. But... <laughs> I don't know. I have a bit more time for her because at least she's completely and totally okay with the fact that she's writing just tacky yeah. crap. It's more like the, the the ones who actually consider themselves artists and musicians yeah. and that. If you, if you could pretty much just shove a broomstick up my ass and I'd be able to gargle something more comprehensible than what they're coming up with. If you, uh, if you ever get the time or the effort or the energy, I, I strongly recommend checking out some of the, the parodies of TikTok that are up on YouTube, there's some very, very funny ones. 
Whatever happened to Weird Al, man? There is just well, Weird Al's there is just so much material for him. Weird Al's right still around doing his doing his thing. I remember hearing him recently talking about when he covered Born This Way by mm. Lady Gaga and Perform This Way. Perform yeah. This Way and the issues are surrounding that. So, um, well, as I understand it, the lawyers got caught whiff of it and basically slapped some sort of you know fifty-two thousand pound injunction suit on his ass. And then when Lady Gaga found out about it, it was more like, oh yeah, that could actually be really funny. Let's go for it. Yeah, and it was only until we he actually that is one hundred percent true. And he actually wanted to pull it at the end as well once he actually found out what Born This Way was about because he thought it was actually a little bit in, inappropriate to be spoofing such a such a topic. But both yeah, parties yeah. were happy in the end, and yeah, Perform This Way found its way out into the mainstream. Well, if you are going to say spoofing, that topic goes too far. I would say the whole notion of the Born This Way song itself just goes completely too far in the other way. I mean, I'm all for pride and rights and everything like that, but the whole premise of that album was basically, okay, I've written two really catchy, just top draw, top of the pops, just, you know, you'll be whistling it for the next week and a half songs, whereas now I'm basically going to release an album which has almost no musical credibility whatsoever compared to her previous albums, but I will do so taking a stand for gay rights and therefore will outsell my previous albums by some two billion copies. It's actually very, very interesting. If you go to... Uh, I strongly recommend everybody do this too. If you go to Last FM and you look at the unscrobbles that come up, which is basically when somebody plays a song and then removes it from their profile... Yeah. Over the last two months, Lady Gaga's represented 20 per the songs well, I was that just have come up on the top 50 list. So. The day that got released, you know, with 7 billion people holding their breath with the whole hype and everything, mm-hmm. I read there was a, user, a comment on YouTube about it which absolutely just summed it up perfectly. It said, the first time I heard Poker Face, I couldn't get that song out of my head for a week. Mm. The first time I heard Bad Romance, it blew my fucking head off. The first time I heard Born This Way, I thought, is that it? Mm. And that is absolutely 100% yeah. true. Well, Say it, what you will about her. Those first two albums had just a truckload of super catchy, super successful pop tracks yeah. on them. Whereas I'm, Born This Way, I'm, you know, I haven't actually listened to it from start to finish, but I haven't heard a single song on there that comes even close to comparing with um, the quality of her previous album. And that's probably why she's been... Sc- Unscrobbled by so many people on Last FM. We were actually shocked. No, but that's when the really fucking annoying thing, though, is that it sold, like, three times as many copies. Yeah, I know. And people are stopping to listen. We were actually surprised that she had so many on there. Not because that she had so many on there, but she actually had that many songs in the first place. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, for two albums worth, there were, well, like, Poker Face, Pavarotti, Love Game... The fame, bad romance, uh, Alejandro, yeah, telephone. There was a hit rate of probably one in every two songs off those albums. Mm. Really good. When mm. instead with this new one, she's yeah now batting open so, fourteen or however. So track. the whole Born This Way album is that going to make its way onto the iPod from hell? Yes, there it is. I successfully did it. Are you going to pick a, one song in particular to pick on? No, because that's the thing. It's not so much that it's a bad album in and of itself. It's more that it is just so much worse than her previous stuff and yet because of the had nothing to do with the music just the entire marketing campaign and hype around it 
it was ridiculously more successful, which disappoints me greatly. Well, you know, it's always difficult to back up. You know, they, they always say that the true staying, the true test of staying power for any musical artist is their second album. Yeah, but at least when most second albums are crap, they don't sell as well. Yeah. And you feel like at least yeah, well, you know, just a if you have album. if you have the uh, the fame machine working in the background there, you know, it's all it's all good. Have you got a? I guess have you seen a movie <laughs> recently that's worthy of getting onto the iPod from hell? Because at this point in time, we've only focused on songs, but movies would qualify as well. There's a few. The one that always stands out is the Ned Kelly film with Heath Ledger, because uh, I reckon that's probably the worst film I've ever seen at the cinemas. That and the um, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Since then, I don't even come close to taking a risk with a movie. I can probably list on two hands the number of films I've seen at the cinemas since then, and they'd be things like Gran Torino, um, State of Play, Inception. You know, I'll only go and actually pay money for really, really quality films. So, yeah, those two stand out because I was actually forced to sit there and enjoy them in the cinema. See, for me, I have vivid memories of going to the movies in the early 1990s, I think it was 92, and people were wanting to see a movie, well, I think of what's loosely called a movie anyway, called Stop or My Mum Will Shoot. Now, I actually can't express in words exactly how bad this is. Luckily for me, a bloke called T-Bone Jackson on IMDb.com... What up, T-Bone? Yeah. <laughs> T-Bone's come through for me. Here's his review as it, re- as it sits on IMDb, and I couldn't have put it any better if, even if I tried. Everyone on Earth should see this movie, not because it's good and worth watching, but because it is so awful. The reason why everyone should watch this movie is so you have a measuring stick for judging just how bad a movie is. For example, your buddy says... Man, that Jim Carrey movie, The Majestic, was, a mo- was the worst movie ever made. And you can be like, no, man, have you ever seen Stop or My Mum Will Shoot? I mean, don't get me wrong, The Majestic sucked, but it's no Stop or My Mum Will Shoot. Then your friend will be like, oh, yeah, man, you're right. I totally forgot about Stop or My Mum Will Shoot. I guess I blocked out that painful memory. Yeah, well, lucky you. Also, you can be telling your friend, like, hey, the course sucked. They can be like, well, yeah, no surprise there. How bad did it suck? You can be like, I'd say it's about one majestic above <laughs> stop and my mum will shoot. Your friend? Man, that's pretty bad. So apparently it's if you have that last sentence yeah. where they start rating them <laughs> in relative yeah. terms that I like. So, yeah, my advice to you is, yes, if you, uh, you... There's two ways to look at this. You either take my advice and never see this movie ever, or you take T-Bone's advice... And watch it purely for the purposes of rating. Yeah. See, I don't know. Films like that are actually less likely to piss me off because they're just so god-awful and they're not. Well, yeah, a comedy where you don't laugh, it's not a good sign. Yeah. And, I don't know. Yeah. Ones like that, at least you can sort of laugh at them. <laughs> yeah. But it is, it is funny when you read some of the uh, some of the reviews on IMDb because there's people who actually really love this movie and... Uh, okay, uh, well, there you go. Then. That could be enough to rhyme. I was just going to say, it's nice to see that the lunatic asylum has Wi-Fi these days. Mm. The one thing I will say about films in general, actually, which I, this is a sore point of mine, is that I have never seen a film in 3D, and I never will. Because as far as I'm concerned, the only reason that a director or producer would even contemplate putting a film in 3D is if they realise, hey, we don't have much in terms of storyline, plot or character development here, so we're going to have to sort of compensate for that by showing 
you know, the audience flaming arrows shooting out of their faces. If you look back over, and people say 3D is the way of the future and it will soon sweep all before it, I disagree because I think if you look at the best films over the last five or ten years, none of them are 3D. In fact, I would defy anyone to actually name a truly great 3D film. And you can't do it because the fact is a film cannot be great just on the basis of having three dimensions. So until yeah. until it gets to a stage where they'll decide... No, but that's the thing. Like it'll, it'll never get to that stage. If you're going to make a truly great film, like all those films I was rattling off before, there is absolutely no fucking need to whore yourself out to the third dimension. And as far as I'm concerned, every film that now just comes out in epic 3D is just... Ah, it's all just white noise. It just doesn't interest me at all. Mm. Epic 3D or epic fail. Um, I haven't seen a 3D movie either, so I can't mm. really comment on that, but yeah. Good I, for you, man. Yeah. Good for you. I just don't get the idea of um, somebody, you know, having to pay an extra 10 bucks for wearing Steve Urkel glasses, but that's just me. And more to the point, um, people... We actually live in a three-dimensional environment, so what exactly is the big appeal of being able to go to the cinemas and, wow, see that third dimension? You know, once they can actually get 4D into movies, then it might be worth going to see. I'm sure Spielberg's working on that as we speak, so keep us posted, Steve-O. Yes. Call us from the fourth dimension. That's right. (laughs) That's right, yes. bit weird for, uh, so far we've done a lot of non-sport talk. Is there any particular sporting things that... Have interested you that we haven't covered off? There hasn't actually been that much this week, I have to say. Well, I mean, um, talk, Ricky Ponting missing the one-day tour for the West Indies. Good news for us, all the people like me who had that Rex Soner app, because R-I-C-K, why, doesn't exist anymore. Mate, come on, let's face it, when it comes to shit cricket ads, there is only one benchmark for crapulence, and that is the KFC ads. And I particularly like the fact that Karma seems to have turned around and need these guys in the garters because the guys who are in that ad this summer are like Steve Smith, Cameron White, Mitchell Johnson, and what, do we really need to name the fourth? I think it might be David Hussey or someone else like that. But yeah, it's basically the guys who essentially appear to be in Australian colours more for the purposes of doing the KFC ad than actually doing anything on the field. And for the record, Steve Smith... I always knew that guy was shithouse, and now he's finally proven it this season. He has just been abysmal. In fact, he's the new Cameron Shite. Because, well, talentless blonde bowler, who everyone was touting as the next big thing five years ago, now it's come full circle. I mean, yes, it is just a very, very sad state of affairs for Australian cricket when blokes like that are still, like, still genuinely probably, you know, only a few... Injuries away from getting a test gig, you'd say. Perhaps not. It was worth last summer when he was, yeah, on the fringes of the side and playing one days and stuff like that. Um, you mentioned Kevin's brother Jeremy a little bit earlier on in the podcast. The lesser known. The lesser Jeremy. The lesser, <laughs> the lesser known Jeremy who's lighting up Madison Square Garden these days, one a, one point at a time. I don't know if you caught the uh, the story on ESPN over the last couple of weeks. There's been a little bit of controversy over there with um, one of the byline writers being fired. Uh, 
to give a little bit of context, uh, Jeremy Wynn didn't have a very, very good game. It was his first real bad game <laughs> against Why the... Yes. Yeah. His first real bad game was against the New Orleans Hornets, who are... To, to say that they're an average team is an understatement. I think they've got the second worst record currently in the NBA. Well, so um, he picked a good game to take off then. Well, they lost, At least the, given that. they lost the game, unfortunately, and he had nine turnovers. And uh, the head, the uh, the headline on the ESPN mobile oh, site yes, was was uh, oh. chinking the armor. And no, <laughs> yeah, a rather a rather common saying, I would have thought. But um, being that our uh, Kevin's brother is of Taiwanese American descent. It raised a little bit of furor, and the the byline writer, uh, the byline writer, alongside two of the other people, were terminated as a consequence of this. Still, in fairness, you do have to ask, what the fuck were you thinking, buddy? I mean, well, his... really, you you got to be the editor in that sort of position, and you yet are able, capable of displaying that sort of insanely piss, insanely piss poor judgment. I'm not quite sure about this one. What did he think would happen? Well, what did he think would happen? <laughs> here's, here's my take on this. He's quite he has apparently used this headline many times before. Was the guy Asian? No. But <laughs> the point is here in just the discussion. His, his defence. I mean, he he immediately came out and apologised. It was stripped off the site within about half an hour. For obvious reasons, uh, he immediately <laughs> Sorry, came what, what out. <laughs> he immediately came out and apologised for uh, for using that phrase. Um, not that I say that that's a good thing or a bad thing, but the um, the defence, the dismissal side of things may have been a little bit harsh in the in the context of things. And apparently, you know, that's they've they've spoken with legal counsel, and their defence is, well, if I've used this byline before. Perhaps the people who are making this judgment are really the racist ones, not me. Look, I will give you that. The oh my god, the, the I guess my now that anyone suspects that someone somewhere at some stage might possibly be offended by someone that some someone by something that someone has said at some time, just causes the um yeah like the PR and marketing people to actually start shedding body parts until they can convince the guy to come out and. And read from a prepared statement in which he sincerely apologises to all his young fans and says he knows he needs to set a better example than that. But in all of these events, has there actually been anyone even remotely offended? I mean, I heard that Graceful and um, Ryder have both been suspended um, from a one day against South Africa now because they um, went to a pub and a bloke yelled abuse at them. And the official line from the New Zealand cricket spokesman was that while we applaud the guys for not really getting involved, they did have a couple of words with him as they were leaving, and that is unacceptable. I mean, for fuck's sake! If some drunken yobbo is there yelling abuse at you, and you manage to restrain yourself enough to just, you know, let a few words fly at him as you're leaving, mm. this and this, this is, you know... The sort of event that will lead to kids doing crack cocaine by the age of twelve, according to the PR guys. Yeah, I mean it's 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 really interesting you you, you bring that up that topic up because um, today on Grantland.com they actually were 
did a little bit of revisionist history referring back to the infamous brawl between the Indiana Pacers and the Detroit Pistons, which was just an absolute debacle from about six years ago. And the key thing that they talk about with regards to that is that there was a patron who had been known for for basically trying to antagonise players with the view of getting punched so he could get paid out. Yeah. It's sad that that's, that's what it is. I mean, I think, yeah... There's so many, key, not just keyboard warriors out there, people who love to sit there and say snarky things hiding behind a, uh, a laptop screen, but people in public, I mean, if you're going to sit there and abuse somebody, you deserve to get your, you deserve to get your lights punched out, whether the person's an athlete or not. I almost think now it's gotten to the stage where people know that they're supposed to be offended by something rather than actually anyone yeah. ever being offended by these things. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that... When, when I actually saw the, the article in question and I saw the, the, the capture, I, I must admit that I did not even think, oh my God, that's really bad because he is of that particular descent. Which makes me wonder, like, is, has political correctness at that point where it's just gone too... It's either gone too far or mm. we're just bordering... That one is pretty bad, though, because it's a widely circulated paper like that. That one I can understand more. But these sort of incidents where, yeah, two cricketers have exchanged words with... Joe Average down at the pub, and that's somehow worthy of a one-match ban. Give me a break. Just give me a break. Yeah. Uh, if they didn't do anything, I don't see why they've got anything to answer for myself. But anyway. Yeah. And, the, yeah, the Kiwi guy should be saying, well, good on you. Good on you for not doing anything. Well done. Well done, Jesse. Yep. Well done, Dougie. You're an inspiration to children everywhere. Yeah. Crack cocaine pipes are being put back in baby bassinets, as we speak. Yeah, enjoy enjoy your time on the sidelines while you're at it. Well, this is the end of part one. Stay tuned for part two. Now leaving the Vlog Pod.